Max Hall and Melbourne Football Club, you're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cochin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Benderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hey friends, you got MJ from the Coaches Panel. I hope you're well and welcome your pre-season. She's almost done because we are just a couple of weeks left before round one and it's rolling lockout gets away. It's time to talk some strategy, time to reflect back on the week of match simulations and intra clubs that we've had a chance to see some of these, as well as talk cash cows, game plans and a bunch of other stuff. It's our first coaches panel strategic roundtable for 2023 and joining me on this episode as he did right throughout the preseason. Kane, hello mate, how are you? Very well, MJ. Nice to have a bit of a group discussion. I enjoyed our our time together throughout the preseason, but I think we all enjoyed this time of the preseason a lot more than the months of November, December, January, when we're grinding away with not much information, a lot of last year's information, and a lot of guessing and hoping. But yep. the puzzle starts to come together as we get towards March. Yeah, it certainly does. Also, on this episode, fellow co founder Rids is on. Hello, mate. How are you? Hey, mate. How are you going? I'm good. Boys, let's just jump straight into this. Uh, at time of recording, the uh, match simulations that uh, 16, I believe, of the AFL clubs participated in where they played against other AFL teams, some varied in quarters, some varied in length, some were like eight periods long. Others just chose to play against their own list in there. We've had a bunch of these broadcast and Kane and Ritz. This happens every year from the community. They see something and they react. They see something and they go in and make a change in their side. So my question to you boys, and maybe Ritz, I'll start with you and then Kane absolutely chime through, is what is the difference for coaches seeing something in these match simulations and making a correction or a reaction that is right as opposed to seeing something and jumping at shadows. What's the difference to help us after seeing these games this weekend? Mate, there's only two things you surely can be looking at in these match sims. A, I don't even care how the player plays. Right, I couldn't care if he had one touch, 100 touches. Couldn't care how many CBAs, how many, how many times he scratched his left testicle. I really just don't care. Like, the reality of it is... They're fit. They wouldn't yeah. be playing in a pracky game if they weren't fit. Like, let's let's think about Tim English. Sure. Tim English has been struggling with a hamstring. With it's the biggest discussion point for years with the rucks outside of Bruce. Yep. Um, he's got this hamstring. He's struggling. He's struggling. Talk, talk, talk. How are we going to choose rucks? How are we going to choose rucks? Oh, the match sim comes. Guess what? He was fit enough and he was cleared to actually have a run. That's yeah. all you need to know, isn't it? Now, the second thing that you should be looking at is the cows. Yeah. Okay. Okay. What role have they got? Because generally, this is a learning experience, making sure for the coaches, and it's not a learning experience for the player. It's also the coach as well, making sure so-and-so can actually play the role for the team. Like, I, I let's think about um, Chessa yesterday. He was playing yeah. on a wing. Okay, now, and he played four quarters on a wing mm. in the sim. So the th thing is, that's because Simpson wants to know, can you play that role for me? And 
we're going to give you a bit more of a run, maybe, maybe not in the next, in the more serious game next week. Yep. And that's where we're actually going to go, okay. But guess what? What it does for us, us poor buggers out here that are guessing and not understanding where anything is, not knowing how fit people are. We always hear stories, but that's about all we hear. But we go, oh, Chester moves okay. He gets to the right spots. Oh, okay. He can kick a ball. Oh, he knows how to take a mark. You know, and suddenly it's like, well, he's a viable, he may be a viable option at D7 and D8 if he actually gets named around one. That's about as useful as these sessions are. Yep. That's, that's fair enough. Kane, talk to me. Let's let's put some specifics on it then. Jack Bowes for a number of people was someone that they're like, uh, nah, how does he even fit into the Geelong side? Where does he? And then he plays that match against Hawthorne where he does appear for big chunks of that game, have a lot of midfield minutes. Now, there's always the variables of who's playing and who's not. I understand that. But I've seen the love for Bows really move a lot and some other players, which we'll talk about soon. Is that an overreaction in that instance or is it poor research? Is it jumping at the shadows? What is the move to, to Bows? that has caused people uh, to make some changes to their team over the past few days? Well, it always helps MJ when it's one of the first practice matches. I will always tell you that. That's something I've learned over the years is whatever teams play in the early practice games, they mm. seem to get the most reaction just purely because we're excited to see it, see footy again. Yeah. Um, for me, obviously, I can only speak for myself on how much people are overreacting. But I think what those type of performances do is you see the guy moving around, and as Riz said, he's fit enough to be playing. So that's a that's a tick to start. Sure. They obviously see value in giving him a run in the midfield, talking about Bo specifically. So that's that's really encouraging because we know that's a role that if you can seize it, has a lot of points. And then you go to another layer and you go, okay, there's a guy like Joel Selwood who had a CBA role for large parts of his career. Even in the back end, it was still it was still prominent when he was out there. He had a midfield role. So it's encouraging. And that's probably where I leave it. And I go, okay, let's see how Jack goes in the practice game next week. Up against Brisbane, that'll be a really interesting game. Yeah. The thing we know with these games is who's out is yeah. just as important as who's in. So especially with a mature list like Geelong, you don't really have to tell Cam Guthrie how to play in the midfield. No. He knows how to play in the midfield. They've got experienced guys like that that know their role. A Paddy Dangerfield. So what often happens in these match sims or in the past it was that first practice game is you give guys different roles and you give them a chance to play against actual opposition. And often I think that's what we've heard about the preseason. A Doherty and a Caleb Daniel, they've spent the bulk of the preseason in the midfield. And I think people's initial reaction is, well, they're midfielders now. But these are two experienced players. They don't need to know how to play across halfback. They're fine in half-back role. They know it. They could slot back at any point. But what that is likely doing, in my opinion, is just future-proofing. Okay, if we lost the Bontempelli, if we lost the Crips, who could we bring in there? Maybe it is Daniel. Maybe it is Doherty for their respective sides. So I think that's what you've always got to be careful about is training in the off-season doesn't always mean they're getting that role. Of course, sometimes it does. But I think those role changes are more important for the younger guys or guys that might have come from a different club. When you're talking about 
older experienced heads, you do have to be a bit careful, especially when it feels a bit, whoa, you know, Caleb Daniel, one of the best users across half back playing inside mid when they're yeah. loaded in the midfield. It doesn't quite gel. But there is obviously some in the past. We had a Zeeble go from a mid to a defender, and that was really useful. But I think it's just about being aware of that so that when you watch the next game, you're going, okay, well, who's in there? Who's playing these roles? Because teams line up in similar ways, don't they, MJ? There's normally three to six guys that get midfield opportunities. There's usually three to four guys that are the distributors across halfback. You've got your key position. Like It's not hard to fill in. These roles, who's on the wing, who's rotating mid-forward, where do they rest? So for me with Bose, you go, okay, he got the midfield time. Yep. Interesting. Is he in the best 22? We'll have to wait and see. But it is encouraging that they, you know, these are valuable minutes. They might not be as valuable for a senior guy, like I mentioned, with a Guthrie or a a Dangerfield. But these guys who are in the, the 18 to 35 on the list bracket, these are really important minutes to prove to the coaching staff they can play the role that they've been trained in against opposition. Yeah. And I think, um, MJ, just jump in as well. Please. Jack Bowes is a perfect discussion player, Rightio. Mm. Now, think about it. Who didn't play yesterday? Well, Mitch Duncan didn't play yesterday. There was a couple of other names that didn't play yesterday. Now, Isaac Smith plays that role generally from a Geelong perspective. Now, like you look at Brune. He had a lot of CBAs. You look at, there's a whole heap of gelling aspect to this. Now, the most important thing out of yesterday for me, when it was in relation to Jack Bowes, was the article that came out in the newspaper. It had nothing to do with this match sim, where Mm. they actually went out and highlighted what Geelong promised over, instead of um, Essendon and um, Hawthorne, to actually win Jack Bowes' signature. Yeah. And that was, hey, mate, we could give you premierships, you know, and we're going to give you all you are best 22. That's the most important article that I reckon, if you are if you like Jack Bowes, that's the thing you take out of yesterday, not the game. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a really good take. So, so staying with that, um, there were some premiums that had um, probably less – exciting weekends of football Oh, come on, MJ. Just say his name. Say his name. We spoke about him in the preseason at number 16, I think it was, in the most 50, 50 most relevant. Let's let's just say it. Say it. Let's say Tom Mitchell's name because he's the one that everyone's reacting to, is he not? Yeah. I was trying to make it more broad than just feel like an attack on Titch or owners abandoning him. But we're here now, so let's do that. Yeah, but that's the one, that's the name, that's the most common name I have seen in the last 24 hours. In terms of people jumping off. And people one day before that were singing songs, they were praising him, they were everything. Don't forget that. Mm -hmm. Like he was the GOAT, the be-all and end-all one day before, and the same group of people are now going, Oh, no, wait a second. It was a scratch match. It was his first official runaround in the jumper. Mm-hmm. Like, at least give him a bit of lay. Like, he might have been sick yesterday, and he might have been, you know, given a run, and that's why he wasn't in the CBAs. He, yep. There's so many variables that could have happened. Now, we said this in the preseason, though, MJ. Yes. 
Tom Mitchell is not a bad pick in no. any format. The guy is an absolute god. Oh, magnet. Amazing. Rightio. So what has actually changed between now and then? Absolutely nothing. He's still a ball magnet. He's still yeah. value compared yeah. to what he's done in the past. True. He, if anything, all that's changed is people have jumped off. His ownership's got lower, which means he's more unique. Maybe that means people like myself that weren't as hot earlier on might go and, you know what, we might jump on now because we agree he is actually very dangerous, you know, and he's representing value. Yeah, because uh, for me, like you and I, Rids, we, we did in the 50 Most Relevant uh, a podcast about Tom Mitchell. My concern around Tom wasn't, will he be a midfielder? And we saw that uh, on that match against Carlton. He was a centre-bounce midfielder. My concern was, is he going to get enough uncontested ball to get that volume of scoring up around that 105-110 mark that he needs to to make him a worthwhile selection? Correct. I think and- that would be the only reason I would... Sp- Get behind somebody jumping off a premium at this point in time going, oh, the, a game style adjustment I saw has now got me questioning. I'd like it confirmed again next week in the Amy Community Series, JLT Cup, the CP roundabout of selections, whatever the freak you'd like to call what next week's games are. That would be the only reason I could if get behind the Tom Mitchell dropping is they go, oh, the style was exactly what I was hoping it wasn't. And it is a practice match, but it's enough yeah. for me to fade. That's the only reason. And 100%, though, that, that's that's it. Um, but the thing is, you should have already known that there was potential that was going to happen. We spoke about it weeks ago. They made a prelim, MJ, and they were very close to actually making a grand final. Yeah, and they kick. lost. Like the, the biggest problem is people just went, you know what, that's my old girlfriend. I like her. I I enjoyed my time with her. Let's go back to her. Great. Perfect. Good one. You know? But the thing is, it's a different house. It's a different bedroom. It's a different whatever. Okay. Mm. It's a totally different ballpark. So you got to start preempting this. Now, it's all good to plan to have Tom Mitchell, but you don't jump off now after one glorified pack pracky game. No. Because sure nothing's not. changged. No, Colin would okay. still need a contested inside beast. And that's what he's there for. At the clearances. He actually had reasonable attendances, you know. Of course, he didn't have the big numbers like, you know, the 70s and 80% that we all love. But guess what? It's a pracky game. They might have yeah. been trying to get some fitness and legs under, say, a Jamie Elliott, under a Dugowie. I think Dugowie had the biggest CBAs in the pracky game. I don't know if that's going to happen in the pre in the season proper. Yeah, you know, because that was really that was my takeaway too. Rich. There was so many guys through that midfield. For that's Collingwood. the thing that you yeah. think, you know, yeah. And, and is that is that something they continue with? We won't know. The other thing that jumps out to me in Tom Mitchell's favour is just the attrition rate of the guys that roll through that midfield. You got Dugowie. We know he seems to miss games every year. Taylor Adams, unfortunately, misses a lot of footy. Yep. And then you got some some guys, Pendlebury at his age, and then Nick Dacos at the other end. You know that's a big that's a big role to be playing as a Nick Dacos in a second year to be a seventy five percent CBA type of guy. So I just think a Tom Mitchell. You look at the team stats. 
they were nearly identical last year, total points for Hawthorne and Collingwood. Yeah. So if you think if you think he gets his, you know, fifty percent CBAs or better than he had last year, I do understand the pick, and you, you would hope that being a better team, being a little bit more loved than he probably was last year, there is some upside. So to to just jump off after a practice game again. I would think a guy like Tom Mitchell, who's a really smart footballer, mm. he's going to get so many learnings out of that game plan. And you've got to remember with these guys, the connection of your teammates. Yeah, it's What true. does Jack Crisp want when, I, when, when he's got the ball and I'm trying to find space? A Scott Penderbury. Like, these are all awesome guys he's playing with. And he's just got to have to work out how he fits in. So that would have been huge for him. He would get so much feedback from the Collingwood staff about, that was great. We want you to be here next time. And that's why you get a mature player when you're in the hunt because they pick up these things super quick. So I couldn't believe that. Again, with a guy with his pedigree at the price, the opportunity he really didn't have last year at Hawthorne, mm. I think he, he holds that. Now, we can argue if a Collingwood player can get 105 plus, that's sure. a total different thing. But he has every chance to come out in the next practice game. Correct. Have 30 touches, have 75% CBAs. Go 120. Just do his yeah. thing like we know he does and, and fill that void. And that's not even factoring in, like I said, that the reason they target a guy like Tommy Chill is that there's been some attrition in that inside mid brigade. And they do like to spin a lot of guys through there last year to make up for that. You know, a crisp had to go in there. We saw so many different bodies. Pendlebury, Dugowie, even Jamie Elliott was a pinch hit type of guy just to... Yeah give a different look. So, so the role I, is there. I want to flip this as well, MJ. Please. So it just doesn't have to be Tom Mitchell. Okay? No. But what do you think happens, okay? Scott Pendlebury maybe had zero CBAs yesterday in the game, okay? What do you reckon? Is he trying out a new position? Or do you think Colin would go, huh, well, I don't think we're going to play him in the midfield because we don't know how he goes in the midfield. Like, like how many games of football do you want to like? The guy yeah. is the best in the midfield, so why not give him a run over there? Try a few people through that, see what that looks like. Because you know what, when push comes to shove in the season proper, and they get in the need of having someone experienced in the centre square, they could just go, "Oh, Pendles, by the way, can you jump in and do what you've been doing for three hundred games of football?" Yeah, like, correct. I mean, it's just. It's crazy, yeah? Oh, look, in all honesty, any player that is secured in their team's best 22 are pretty much just trying to get kilometres into the legs and not get hurt. That's the predominant thing there is their individual objective is to achieve those kind of things. It's those that are trying to break into the side that are actually trying to do something a little more, Kane. And that's what was so remarkable, as, as Reid said. I was just looking at Pendlebury last year and, they moved him into the midfield in round 10. For the rest of the home and away season, since he made that move, you know, he was pretty much at worst a 60% CBA guy, even yeah, upwards correct. of 90, 90%. Yeah, exactly. They lost one game. In that They stretch. lost one game yeah. since they made that move. So he's still going to be a super, super important player. But that's the thing at this time of year. You, you, coaches are trying to see different things. They're trying to see how the mix is. That's coming right. together. And that's what's really tricky. And fantasy coaches often get caught up in that mix, don't they? Of, oh, yeah. they're playing this role. 
and then push comes to shove. And the other point I do want to make on these practice games is Please. it suits a very certain type of player. And often it is a little bit more outside, yep. a little Not bit faster, a little bit fitter type of guys that can just run that little bit more. They're not getting the body contact because guys that want to take it's unnecessary the entry hits. Cup. That's what we'll call you, it. You just, you, just, you just don't <laughs> you do not do things. And you, you're directed by your coaches, I'm sure. Correct. Nothing silly here. We're not going back with the flight. We're not cracking in there, taking a risk. No. All these type of things. It's just not worth it. You know, we're getting ready for round one. It is preparation for the real thing. That's what I think. As fantasy coaches, we cling to any information. We've been starved of fresh information yes. since the grand final last year. We've been starved of it. So now we've finally got a little bit and we just wanna we just wanna look at everything and grab everything and, and make new decisions based on it. But this is just all part of the process of getting to the sides you pick for round one. And there's yeah. so many different factors that, quite frankly, we're just not privy to. We don't know what the goal is for a Hawthorne in their practice match. Two. Is it so to true. practice game plan? Is it to practice different roles for different players? Is it to keep some stuff up your sleeve for round one? Yep. Like, that's the type of thing. Like Everyone's going to have a different balance at all the different sides. And then it's going to come to round one and there's going to be some stuff that shocks us by design that we're just not privy to because they don't want us to be privy to it because it's a competition. Yeah, that's good. So heading into next week's official practice games, our, our last opportunity to see these teams and players go against each other. Ritz, what's the thing that we can, again, we'll talk about cows and I want to talk game styles with you in a minute. What's the thing we can take from this week? to help us filter next week's matchups correctly? Because I think there is a fair assumption, at least for some of next week's game, if not bigger chunks of it, we'll see closer to a more probable round one team and potentially a slight um, intensity upgrade. Not much, but a, but a slight one. What, what are the things we can take to make sure we don't overreact heading into what we see from the nine games next weekend? Okay, so for the first thing you want to do is if a premium plays this week, that is all you need. Yep. That's all you need. You don't need to see anything else. You just need to see them getting out there. They don't need to have 20 or 30 possessions. They don't need to score 100 plus points. It's not going to include in your full... Like you think of it, Elliot Yo. Let's think sure. of Yo, and let's think of Dom Sheed. Yep. Okay. We know that they've played um, the match Sims this weekend against Port. Yep. If they back up and play that practice game after having the terrible run of injuries they've had over the last twelve to eighteen months, we should have confidence that they're going to be there round one and that they're fit enough to enter a full season of football. Yeah, it's good. That's the stuff you want to really look at. Okay. Now the mid prices are always a little bit of a challenge because you've got those um, two kinds of mid prices: the guys that are injured coming back, like the yos and sheets, sure. or you've got the youngsters coming the through. Types. You know, getting more midfield time, change of role, whatever it is. Okay. Sure. What you want to see of that is: is there a role change? Is mm. he looking more at home? Okay. Not so Good. much. Is he getting more CBAs? Does he look comfortable? Does he look part of the fabric? Yeah. Now, the perfect example of that, MJ, was Charlie Constable last weekend. Yeah, now, when we first heard he was going to have this half-back role, we would have all been going, 
Oh, why? Hmm, that's weird. Oh, that came from left field. But guess what? When we saw that scratch match the other day, he was actually part of the of the Structure. way they wanted to play the and game, style. the yeah. game plan itself. He was they were looking for him, they were going through him. That gives us confidence. Now, if that happens again next week, I guarantee you that's the role he's got. That's the role he's trained in. That's the role he's going to have round one. And he's playing yeah. round one. If he gets named and played next week, he's in. Yep. Don't second guess that sort of stuff. So the role changes are real. Reads, isn't there? That's the thing that's so important with that is he's playing there to fill a need. There's no Weller. There's no Powell. Yep. Buderick's coming off. And, so you actually start going – there's actually a bit of a runway for him, not just to take the spot for round one, but more importantly for us fantasy oh. coaches, to potentially get four or five and even upwards of six. And if he gets six, knowing his history yeah, at, at his price, it's he's a need. fantastic pick. So that's where I think that is one takeaway you go into this next game now and say, well, that was his, that, this is his audition, isn't it? Okay, you did some nice things against Essendon. Let's carry that on. Let's see if you can seize this opportunity because those are the ones that jump out to me. It's why is where's why has there been a role change? Well, we've got no forwards. We're St Kilda. We, we need yeah. to try guys in the forward line. Hey, we've lost out some half backs at, at Gold Coast. Who's going to seize that? That might not ordinarily be in the team, and that's obviously where we get the value from. Is they're not in the team. They're usually pretty cheaply priced. Yeah, and there's not many guys that have Constable's scoring pedigree. At that price bracket. And guess what, yeah. MJ? The other thing on top of that is whilst there were injuries, they let go someone like an Oleg Markov last Correct. year and delisted him, who is the running halfback type, because yeah. they went with Constable and trained with him. So yeah. they actually earmarked Constable for this potential he was change. doing it in role. the VFL late last year, and I think that's where the appetite grew. It's like, oh, yeah. geez, this there's some upside here, yeah. So you can see where it's actually come from. If there's actually not just one decision, we're going to throw this guy in the deep end and give him a role change. This has actually been planned. They're yeah. actually coming into this season knowing, well, maybe, you know, a month away, six weeks away, they know that Powell's going to be struggling. Whatever it is, okay, and they've gone, you know what, we've got Constable with four or five games in the seconds last year in this role. We've trained him for the whole preseason. We're going to give him four, five, six games, and he can find the football, this guy. We all know that. And, so and, and do Ritz, it. I think that's the one you've got to be scared of in this last practice match is there's going to be some superstars that get rested. Just yes. They might be just like they've done enough work, not worth having another hit out. Yep. There'll be someone that absorbs that role and plays really, really well. Yep. You know, for example, if I think of a Sam Flanders, Took Miller's not going to play this last practice game. He might get a nice, healthy CBA go, have yep. a really good game. But then we know what happens when round one comes back in. Miller's back in there. So Straight those are the in. ones you've always got to be really, really careful of. If someone has a plum role, whether it's kick outs, midfield time, if there is someone that's out, it does get really, really cloudy what happens the following week because we always seem to fall into those guys yeah. year in and year out. And then it's like, oh, where, where did that 60% CBAs go? Yeah, and he's back yes. to the 40s and the 50s and the 60s. Exactly. And and the, another games. perfect example of that is Gota. Now, yeah. there was no Aaron Hall 
on the weekend, who's That's now, right. I believe, coming back. He's, it looks like he's just about right to go. Now, we want to see that next week when they're both in the team. We want to see Correct. him being the That's distributor, it. not Hall. Yeah, or Hayden Young, where there was no Luke Ryan on the weekend. That's exactly right. And those are the ones where you go, you've got to be really, really mindful because it it just will happen. There'll be something at training. Someone pops a little knock and they'll say, not worth it, not worth it. Don't put him in the practice game. Yeah. But by that superstar not being in there, all of a sudden everything goes out the window. Just using the Sam Flanders and Tuke Miller example, Sam, you're in the midfield. That means this other person gets more forward time or we rejig a little bit. And it can really create a bit of confusion, especially if they do pop a score and yeah. they're maybe on your watch list. I feel like if they pop a score and they weren't on your radar at all, you can maybe overlook. But often, if they've been floated about, if they had a good season in the you know the seconds last year, you just start going, oh, this is it. This is the breakout. This is, totally. the, this is the guy. Especially if they've got pedigree like a Flanders does using that example. So those are the ones you've got to be really careful. And when those teams come out, and also in the second half of these games. Be really careful if at halftime we're subbed out Bontempelli and then all of a sudden, you know, it's a Bailey Smith that has an 80-point last half. Totally. And all the – like, that is what just happens in these games and you've got to be really careful not score-watching. Be watching what's happening in the game. And as I said, there's just certain players. Like, I looked last year, MJ, at a few of the guys that were a bit quiet in the preseason games and – we know what season Brad Crouch had. Yep. He wasn't great in a preseason game. Do you have a guess what he scored last year in a preseason oh, game? Like a 70? He scored a 57. Yeah, terrible. Points per minute, about 0.75. Clayton terrible. Oliver, 83. Terrible. And this is just, there's just certain guys that it's just like you're not going to have. And then there's a probably guys game. on the other side that pop massive 130s. Out of the yeah. blue, and some of these guys had a good had good seasons, but yeah, sure. like a, a Tim Kelly was straight out of the gun. You know, there's just certain guys like Callan Ward had a monster preseason game. Yeah. Like it's it gets really really tricky, especially with points per minute, because of course it's you're going to go a bit harder if you know you're playing a half. Like your points per minute's probably going to be pretty good, and we've all played enough fantasy footy to know. Geez, my premiums on track for a monster score here. They're on eighty at half time. What do they that finish on about one hundred and five? Yeah, like, yeah. Like, that's the hardest thing I think with these preseason games is if we want to see it in an actual game, and we're just not going to. So you've got to look at other things to affirm your decision to lock in a player in your starting squad. Yeah, it's good, Rids. You made this interesting comment that that I'd like to take a little bit of time before we talk about cash cows and, and then wrap up this strategy episode. You talked about game styles, and you're alluding to that Tom Mitchell was part of that, but we're also talking about. Uh, the GWS Giants, and a little bit of North Melbourne we we alluded to as well. Uh, How important is a team's game style impacting the decisions that we do or don't make over the next two weeks? Unfortunately, what happens, okay, is I don't think we actually really put much emphasis on it as a community because – but we really need to. Like, we're t- we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago, okay, before yesterday, whatever else. Tom Mitchell going to Collingwood, whilst that's an absolute need trade. That's what Collingwood yep. needs. Inside and we spoke player. about him. We, he, they need a centre-bounce guy, right here. Yes. A contested bull. Yep. But the thing is, the style of play 
that they've been going to is quicker ball movement. Um, you know, we talked about it. Crisp, how many times did we see it last year? Crisp, get ball, run 40 metres, have a bounce, just bang kick it. it 50 metres. Yeah. You know, we, we saw this time and time and time again. Like, that's the style of play that you've got to be cautious with. Now, and what I've noticed, okay, of course, the journey, we've had a lot of coaches, you know, being swapped out, whatever. We've got Clarko back. We've got Ross Lyon back. We've got um, Kingsley's over Kingsley's there. Kingsley's in. Yep. We've got two or three coaches in real problem worlds if they don't start well this yep. year. Port Adelaide's okay. one of those teams. Well, yep. West Coast potentially could be another. There, there's a whole heap of people, okay? Gold yep. Coast, another. We've yep. had guys under the pump for the whole time. So, and even let's think a bit further a bit more with Carlton. Like you yeah. think about Carlton, they, they went from absolutely playing football, finals footy, to dropping out and just missing last year. So they're going to have to make yeah. changes. Okay. So don't think that they're happy because they improved and they <laughs> finished ninth. No, what they're going to do is go, well, that's a missed opportunity. We're going to make a few tweaks. Now, that yeah. might be certain circumstances to move the ball quicker. That might not be, you know, because we are seeing that the Richmond way potentially, yep. where faster ball movement, a bit more chaotic ball. Yeah, going a bit more wave. Yep. You know, um, you think of the Giants a couple of, what was it, a couple of years ago, the Orange to Tsunami. The Orange Tsunami, yeah. You know, so there's a lot of stuff in this. But on top of that, and I think we even spoke about it with Tom Green, it's also what cattle is available will drive your game plans. That's true. Like If you think about GWS, okay, they've lost Hopper. They've lost Brune. They've lost um, Taranto, Taranto. You know, yeah. they've got to rebuild their game plan from scratch. Like, to a point, because what it was working two or three years ago when they made the grand final isn't going to work now because the cattle's totally different. Correct. And so that was you, the thing, reason, one thing on the pies, and this is just showing how much of a jump it was. They were, you know, a really poor team in 2021, yet they ranked third for fantasy points with Buckley's game plan. Number, hmm. basically, for what they were doing, their kicking and marking was outrageous. Over 107 marks, you flash forward one year, we know that, as you said, they make a prelim final, but they're down all the way down to the 12th in fantasy points. And wow. the marks drop by 26 alone. So if you're thinking about some of those guys that cashed in, we spoke about it, MJ, with Dugowie. We said yep. this mark tally he got at the back end of 2021, it's just unsustainable because the game plan with a McRae coming in from Richmond, that's just not how they roll. No, You can... And we saw it, and it did take away the ceiling of Collingwood's scorers, didn't it? There was no one that was really outside of Dacos yep. fantasy relevant. You know, Chris yep. was there at times. Cameron there, but, sure. But, but, it, yeah. but, but, it, it, but it hurt. Yep. And, the, and the team that jumps out to me this year, sorry, Riz, before you go, is, is St Kilda, looking at last wow. year. Second in total FL fantasy points as a team, 1588. One point behind the first team in Geelong. We know wow. how well-rounded they are. Yeah. But it's the number that jumps out to me that gives me some concern for some players is they were the number one team in the comp for Marks, the Saints, at 103. They've now got this new coach. Do you think that Mark Talley is going to stay the same? Because I think with a new coach, and he's a new coach for a reason, unfortunately mm. for the Saints, it didn't work. 
yep, the game correct. plan. So what we've seen that normally happens, what happened with Buckley, we went from a very controlled game plan, we went to the opposite. We got McRae, we, bit more chaos, we followed a Richmond yeah. system, pace on the ball, leg speed, all those things. And Saints are that team for mine. And, and Port Adelaide might be the other one where you go, these are two and three for total points. It didn't work. No. It didn't work. And the teams that, again, Collingwood is an example, used that Richmond games plan and had the players, as we said, to do it, they got results. Their fantasy numbers plummeted, but they're not judging their performance on that. So I think you've got to be a little bit careful with those teams that miss the eight, that have a new coach or a coach under a you know, severe amount of pressure like Hinkley. Are they going to do something really, really different and as a result mm. impact the fantasy scoring of their team? Yeah, it's a good call. Ritz? No, he didn't want any uh, of that. Sorry, mate. No, no, no. I was just going to jump in as well. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I was trying no, to you're find good, the mate. mute button because I didn't want to interrupt Kane's flow there. No, you're fine, mate. I was just going to say, if you go back to Collingwood, okay, being um, a fantasy scorer as a team, what was it? 12th. 12th, Rids. Okay. Fantasy, yeah. So let's think about that. 12th. And they're pretty low, so I don't see much change in, in the way of game plan because they did make a prelim final last year. Yeah. So how many Collingwood players does that mean you can actually really select in your starting squad or have in your finishing squad? And that's the, that's the real challenge of this because I know Dacos is popular. Yes, very. Tom Mitchell, popular. Yes. Darcy Cameron, popular. Relatively, yeah. You know, Crisp will be popular if he gets defence status back. For sure. Like, I mean, how many of these types of guys do you really want in your team? And, Rids, I think the thing as well that, that makes it Collingwood a good example is this game plan with Richmond yielded similar results in terms of outside of Dusty's, you know, incredible season when he won the Brownlow, the Norm Smith and the Premiership. There hasn't really been a scorer for them either that's, you'd say... An Uber. We no, well, Short would have run. been the closest. Prestia, when he was fit, would have been the closest. So that's where but it does again, give it some credence, doesn't it? It's not yeah. just a Collingwood example. That's with right. McRae. It's a, well, Hardwick has had amazing success with a game plan that doesn't yield fantasy results and has a more even contribution across the board, which, that's right. as we know for fantasy, we couldn't give a stuff about even contribution. We, we want the top <laughs> of the tree. And that's where we have to be different. And we have to pick yeah. different players that, that are a bit of a pig, to use that term. You know, we loved Gary Ablett at the Suns. Yeah. Know, everything went through Gary. We, it was great. We yeah. could just rely on him. So I think that's where Rids is spot on. I'm looking at the stats of Collingwood last year, and Chris was the number one guy at 94. Grundy at 93 from six games, and then it drops to Dacos, Penderbury, and Darcy Cameron in the, the mid to low 80s with, with Taylor Adams and um, Lipinski just above 80. Yeah, now we're using AFL a, fantasy, fantasy for a reason because of the more organic and pure statistical elements. Correct. And not the, the scaling and can get a bit... And obviously those teams that are successful are la winning, scoring yes. more points than their opposition, Correct. they do get rewarded in Supercoach. But it's hard to quantify that in a game plan switch Correct. because winning in Supercoach, that is your reward as a team. That's but right. I think we know fantasy points-wise... This can be an issue. And as Rids outlined perfectly, when we've got a guy like Nick Dacos in defence, mm. Tom Mitchell in the midfield, that people are selecting 
with the view that they're keepers and top of their line. Yes. History says in this game plan, unless you're one of the greatest players of all time in Dustin Martin, yeah, it's very hard to become a top eight mid, a top six defender for a whole season. You could argue, yes, Short was on that path. Sure. But he didn't get there for various reasons. No, that's true. So, Rids, let's look at almost the reverse of that. We've talked about guys that have got some concerns. What does that mean for a team like North Melbourne that are in a system that didn't work last year, was statistically one of the worst in terms well, of... they were the worst, MJ. They were yeah. clearly the worst. So what does that mean for points. us? Wow. Yeah. What does that mean for us, Ritz? We've got what's changed since there. then, MJ? Think well, the about coach, it. for one. The coach is the biggest thing. Now, yeah. let's think about when he was coach in Hawthorne. You know, in a very successful period of their time. They were clearly the number one team from a fantasy point of view. You would have Buddy and Cyril in the forward line with Gunston. You would have Lewis, Hodge, Mitchell through the midfield, Suckling and Birchall in the back line. Even, I think, Brian Lake and Josh Gibson in Supercoach were were beasts for us yeah, through there. But even, like, let's go Isaac Smith. Like, there's, yeah. there's Brad Hill had massive years. Yeah. You know, Liam Shields had years. Yeah, that's true. Like, the thing is, Hawthorne, actually was very, 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 very productive from a fantasy point of view. Very true. Now, why would we be doubting that's not going to actually flow into North Melbourne this year with that new, the same coach? Now, he left Hawthorne as one of the greatest coaches of the modern period. Yep. Why would he be changing anything? That's how <laughs> That's how he operates. Like, yeah, that's true. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, You don't win three, four premierships and then go, oh, you know what? I'm going to change the way I coach. No. Like, of course, there's going to be tweaks. There's going to sure. be, you know, he came up with the whole, you know, Clarko's paddock or whatever it was back in the day, or while well, Pagan's paddock, and then Clarko did an adaption to it. And oh yeah, my God, it just, but you see what I mean? Like, yes. the thing is, we have to have some sort of confidence. Like, it's hard to predict, but we have to have some sort of confidence. Well, well, Melbourne, to justify that as well, if you look at Hawthorne his last year, 2021, when they weren't even a great side, you know, they came 14th on the ladder. They scored, they averaged 1,562 points. That's 160 more per game than North did last year. Yeah, wow. So it's, it's near impossible to argue there's not upside for these North guys just purely on a game plan. Yes. No, you think about it, MJ. I'm going to rattle off some names. North Melbourne, like, I know they've been a cellar dweller for years. Okay, oh, they're got, relevant, um, they're, They've got some real talented footballers. In oh, this. yeah. So let's go. LDU. Let's go Simpkin. Let's go Cunnington. Let's go Powell. Let's yep. go Phillips. Let's go Gota. Let's Sheasel. go Hall. Let's go Sheasel. Let's Combin. go. There's a, it doesn't stop. We, I could do this all day. From premiums through they're relevant, no doubt. What did we just say a minute ago about having the cattle for a game plan? That's what the game plan will be driven by, is who is actually the players involved in this. Now, they've got a talented list, North Melbourne. Yeah, they might not play finals. Who knows? It'll take them a couple of years, that's fine. But But the thing is, don't doubt it. They're going to be very, very relevant this year. Yeah. There's some good ones well, there. MJ, that's, that's nearly seven points a player. 160 points is basically just throwing on every player that plays in the game, throw another seven points. On average, but yeah. That's, that, that's how crazy these differences 
can be. Like yeah. you're looking top to bottom, it's nearly 200 points from the number one team to the bottom team. That's nearly yeah, that's ten points bad. a player. You want you want to throw ten points on or seven points on an LDU's? Well, he clears the ton that, well and, and truly. And yeah. that's where these things, as Rich said, get so fascinating is game plan is more or less everything for fantasy because coaches are trying to win. So we want obviously we want them they want to win. We want points. So how does that mix coming together? And sometimes as we project forward as we know, we've said it with Laird. What happens if Adelaide is struggling? Laird. Do they go more do they go youth? Yeah. What happens if Port is struggling? Do they throw that big back in. mix up? Like like yeah. that's the thing. The teams that give you the players that give you confidence more often than not, they're in a team that you feel really confident in terms of the coaches safe. Yes. Just, they deliver year in, year out. Like a Geelong, you're not worried about Tom Stewart. Chris Scott's no, not under Clayton any pressure. Oliver they find a way. Clayton Oliver. Yeah. Like, that's what gives you confidence. What gives you a bit of concern year after year is the ones where you go, Matt Crouch. How many yeah. years did we say? A Fiorini MJ. How many years did we yeah. say? <laughs> we know he's a scorer, but, but there's going to be a day yeah. where it might catch up with him in terms of the team's not succeeding. And if they're not succeeding, they often get a high pick. They often bring a midfielder in, and those guys get pushed by. So that's the thing that you got to always be thinking of as you pick your premium is, yeah, they might have had a hot start to the season. They might have the role to start the year. Sure. But the team will define how they go and how it affects our fantasy team. Yeah, it's a good shout. And the other thing to look at as well is how did Clarkson coach Tom Mitchell from a fantasy point of view through his time. Oh, Tom he Mitchell let him be went, a beast. He went back to back in the scoring. He he was number one scorer across the format. Um, well, For I think many it was two years. years 17 and 18, yeah. yeah. 17 and 21 was great. You know, yeah. and you think about it, they had O'Meara, they had Wingard, they had a whole heap of stuff players. I reckon this North Melbourne list is probably more talented and more skillful, like from a name perspective. Like it's it we are only young in their development, okay? LDU, yeah, you're contrasting to what the Hawks were back then. Yeah, but not now. Why yeah. would Clarkson go, you know what, LDU? I'm not gonna let you go and hunt the ball and win the ball and play on your instinct. I'm not going to let Powell go and do that. I'm not going to let Phillips. No, look, you're a number two or three draft pick. I'm just going to go, you know, I'm going to coach you to death. Clarkson doesn't do that historically. He lets the guys play football. He knows their strengths and he lets them play to it. It's true. And I think that's what's going to happen in North Melbourne this year. Yep. It's an interesting one. Um, before we wrap up the episode, you boys have been brilliant on this episode. Hopefully people listening, you, you're drawing some of the gold they're dropping for you. Let's look at some cash cows that we at least keep an eye on over these upcoming nine games. Maybe we'll go line by line. Ultimately, cows do inform a very big portion of how we structure up our sides. And this is our last opportunity to see them before clubs start to ultimately confirm whether they play in round one or not. So starting with the back line, who are the guys that you've got an eye on to go, look, I'm looking for role, I'm looking for confidence, I'm looking for composure, I'm looking for how they play. As all those narratives and understandings that you both shared with us a good 20, 30 minutes ago, who are some of the names that we're looking at? Again, I know that 
a cash cow is priced at different elements across the three formats because technically Constable's not in AFL fantasy because he's over the price of a Cadman, but he's only about 30k off it. Whereas in DT and Supercoach, he's right in the mix. So who are the guys, Kane? You got a couple of defenders for us that are on your watch list? Well, I think I think just body of work across the whole preseason. I know he's more expensive due to his draft position, but Ruben Jimby, you just got to be impressed with everything you hear and. Mm-hmm. about this kid at West Coast. It just feels like they're stoked. You know, that's always a tough spot when you're picking at that point in the draft. We know there's so many names you're weighing up. But his size, his movement, everything that's come out of the club is that, you know, he's going to be in the team round one. He's mm-hmm. got the frame already to be a performer. And I think he's actually got enough skill to cash in on some of these kick marks. How many times... MJ, from a draft perspective, did we stream over the years a Jackson Nelson in the past, a Tom Cole? So I actually think there's capacity that um, with this West Coast game plan, if it's still that kick mark with the dimensions of Optus Stadium, you know, allowing him to do that better than a lot of other grounds. Yeah. I think he's almost a fieldable guy and he probably has to be at that price. But I think you might even get a few scores where you go, wow, what a 75, 80 out of this guy because it just feels like, well, one, there's clearly a need. You know, we know that there's a lot of, a lot of guys in that list that are coming to the end and it, it's going to be a fascinating year from that point of view, but they finally got a top pick after missing out on a few drafts with that Tim Kelly trade. And it feels like they're really confident and they've got a good one. So I think the job security is there. And I think in that game plan, he might just cash in a little bit more than we, than we may yeah. think. And we know if he can do one or two of those games in the first six to seven weeks, he'll get to a price point that we're really happy with. Yeah, nice is a good suggestion. I know a lot of people, Constable, I've already alluded to, are keeping an eye on Darcy yep. Wilmot McKenna from the Lions. So there's another one, MJ. Please. This is, it's often what a club doesn't do after an injury occurs, mm. which leads us into thinking, hmm, there might be something on the list that they believe could be the fallback. And I think in here of Zach Williams at Carlton. Now, I think Cohen, yep. he's on the list. Um, and then they went out and got a mature age um, VFL Carlton seconds player, Jim yep. Cotter, yep. who's been in the system, halfback slash mid. They're the types that I'd be looking at. There's an absolute need, but they didn't go out to market and pick up a Markoff or whoever it was that was available to replace Zach Williams. They actually went in-house. Yeah, that's right. It's a good I think it says a lot, guys. It? Yeah, I yeah. think it, it says does. a lot. Yep, Agreed. I think it's a good call. Um, let's move into the mids. Ashcroft is certainly, to say a no-brainer, it's starting to feel like an understatement at this time, but he's, he deserves to be there. Will Phillips is another. We didn't see Cam McKenzie uh, in the match simulation against the Cats, but um, it, they were just easing him through. But everything at this point in time of recording is indicating he'll be in and around the mark for this upcoming one. Are there any other mids, boys? I think Ollie Hollands was impressive. Yeah. I, think so I thought, I think, you know, you got, you got to suspect Akers has got one wing yep. just by the recruitment and how well he's played in recent years, but he offered a fair bit. Ollie Hollands, I thought. I thought he looks, you know, he brings that youth. And you've got to remember how many times last year that Carlton did have some injuries in that department and they threw a lot of guys through that, through that spot. So they're a fantasy team as well, the Blues. So can he hold it down? For the whole season, probably not, but he might get first look at that spot and give us enough time to 
to have a crack. And I think playing on the MCG would suit him. And I just, yep. I was impressed by him. We know he's got pedigree in the family. We know his brother Elijah's up at the Suns. And I always love that when it's the younger brother coming through. I just think that they're a little bit more advanced than a lot of these other draftees just because they get stuck with that stark reality of footy. Yeah. They probably just understand a little bit better than most. And I think he was one that I didn't quite think would be in round one contention, honestly. He did surprise me a little bit. I just yeah. thought he was right. maybe it is just due to the injury toll, but I just thought this guy is probably more of a second, third year guy. It's, it's yep. hard to break into a team that's pushing and For finals, has a lot of bodies, yeah. but credit to him. He, he didn't look out of place at all. No. Now, Oscar Baker is definitely one to keep your eyes on. We spoke about him in the McRae pod. Um, Of the 50. He's there for a His foot speed suits the dogs, come on. Especially that that Marvel deck. Like He he is a hard worker. And I I do think it wasn't a knock on Oscar. It's just that when you get stuck behind Langdon and Brasher in the premiership year on the wings, and James Jordan just kept kept delivering. I, I think he just got caught more so saying, Oscar... We've just got better guys than you, as opposed to you're not up to scratch. So I totally agree with Rids. I think and he think can bring a lot to that Bulldogs team. Yeah. And think about who left that Bulldogs team. Lockie Hunter. Hunter. Yeah, that's right. Like there's a already there was a need for a winger, but now there's twice the need because there is yeah. no more Hunter there. there is so no Oscar Baker's a hundred percent in it. Now in AF, I know he's a bit higher priced. Yeah, he's mid four hundreds. Yeah. But I mean in a SC or a DT, we're talking hundred thousand. Yeah. You know, we're talking that price range. Yeah. Now, the other guy that I was, I wouldn't say e- excited about, but I think it's about time. Is the Fremantle guy um, Johnson? Johnson, yeah, he's solid. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he's 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 not going to set the world on fire, but he's a good solid footballer. Yeah, you no, he's, he's really, really solid. He's a very, very solid footballer. So he'll get opportunity at some stage through the year. It's just whether a Jager or Mira acquisition to Frio would have stunted that, you know, those games or yep. not. We don't know yet, but that will come. No, it's, it certainly will. Um, in, in the rucks, there's not a heap at the moment. McAndrew at the Swans is probably more going to only get opportunities due to injuries with Laddams and Hickey out. Well, there is that big Geelong guy that everyone's talking about. No, he's he's playing full back. Radigalia. He's actually listed as a ruck, and I believe he's very, very popular in SC. Mm -hmm. So there's one or two that we can start thinking through. Yes, I they really fought for him, didn't they, MJ? They really yeah. fought, were pretty confident they were going to get him. They did him not want to let him across, go, did they? And they just refused to let him go. And yeah, um, he's, he's athletically, you'd, you'd suspect, yeah, he can definitely play. And, you know, I guess for him, it's just how long can these guys, these mature guys like a Blitzarbs and these older guys fill the team? Because, you know, we know Hawkins is going around again. We know Cameron's yep. playing as good as ever, but he's going to be 30. Can they convince him and just give him enough opportunity so that when they do roll out of the team, he just slots in and has a you know seven eight years playing at the elite level because he's shown glimpses and that's what really impressed me was how much they fought to keep him. Like they were saying, first round pick is what they wanted for him yeah, to go out right. the door. So um, obviously it will come out in terms of if he plays. That was obviously driving a really hard bargain, but 
I wouldn't be surprised if he started the year. And well, I think Henderson like leaves a yeah. bit of a hole there. So For I mean, I think back. there is yeah. actually like they haven't really replaced him, MJ. Well, like, Jack I know Henry that, was playing forward in the match. Well, De Koning they De played there, but yeah. really, I think we all expect De Koning to become that pinch hitting rock forward because, like, I mean, he's got that beautiful mark. He reads the play beautifully. Like, I think he. I think we all expect that to happen, but, you know, and I think Asava could actually be the guy that fills that hole. Well, it's fascinating, regardless of how that does. In the forward lines, Sheasel is no doubt. Okay, MJ, you're going to have to let me go loose here. All right, go. Because we have a A surplus. I cannot believe how many forward rooks we have. There's Lucky for us, though, uh, quite a few of them actually have DPP. So yes. this is where the lack of mid rooks may come into play. You know, even guys like Drury, Long, you know, for Eagles. Yep. These guys are DPP. Philippu. Like you've got yep. Philippu, you've got Humphrey. There's yep. a whole heap of them. Menzi looked unreal on the yeah, weekend. Yeah, for yep. didn't he? Yeah. Oh, Common I mean, for North, yeah. Yeah, a it just doesn't stop. The, they just kept rolling Green at Hawthorne. And I can tell you now, though, that Sheasel, what a role for fantasy football. You can go start up forward, and if you don't do anything, we're going to throw you down back, and we're going to throw you in the middle. Wow, we just want the ball in his hands, don't they? Yeah. Well, he's going to be right up there, isn't he, with points for Just quality, wasn't it? He yeah. was just yeah. so – he just didn't miss. He yeah, just was just – Everywhere he needed to be, and it's pretty impressive, MJ, because he's not a big framed player, no. and a lot of people were surprised that he was selected as high as he was. But you see what you can do when you can really damage and hit the scoreboard and and not waste a kick. That's what was just he was just looked like he'd been playing a hundred games. He just didn't seem phased. very composed, especially yeah. against a team like like Richmond. That can be you know quite overwhelming with that yeah. game style they play. Um, albeit in a practice game, but and I don't know about you, yeah, but he I was feel advertised. Like, I feel like Comden has pretty much been the forward that we've been hearing the most about for years now. Pretty similar to Gould in the back lines, you know that never. I, I think never it's gets the a go off the forward lines. Yeah, yeah. Um, but wow, we MJ, he good. looked amazing. Like now, if North Melbourne decide that they're not going to play Goldstein in that pinch ruck hitting, like. He becomes very, very relevant. And the other guy that was very, very sneaky was Fergus Green. He just appears from nowhere, and he has got some footy smarts. So we've got a plethora. We've got many. But this is going to cause problems. This is going to cause problems for starting teams. Yeah. Because there is four big dogs there. You can't fit the big dogs and all the cows. That's Unless the you start, and again, this is where people are going to have to get tricky and creative. You're going to have to put some of these DPP guys into your midfields. But Whether that they're might cows mean, or premiums, yeah. Well, if you think about a premium, okay, you've got Cogs, Dunkley, Taranto, and Rosie as Correct. the four big dogs, okay? Now, they're all DPP, yeah. so they should be. But what does that mean? We can't have four and then have a McLean and million cows. Like, it's just ridiculous. So we're going to have to start looking at sneaking a couple of these big dogs into the midfield. Quite possibly. You know? Quite possibly. 
it's really going to have to be creative with this. So make sure you get your balance right, but make sure you have a bit of depth on that bench too. Guys with better security, like a Weedle from Hawthorne in the yep. defensive lines or, yep. you know, or maybe throw a Menzies onto um, the forward bench. Yeah. You know, there's a whole heap of ways. There's a lot. And there's going to be some options, Rids, then. That's going to open up actually probably having a look at a midfield forward Donut almost because you can, you're going to be possibly. starting to loophole mid and forward then pretty regularly and with ease if you've got such a volume. Yeah, yeah and that's going to challenge um, AF experts mm. and professionals and everything else because AF everyone wants thirty green dots and everyone no, wants everyone making well, money, this especially is- with value rates. If you're chasing that much value mm. and you don't really have a confident captain option, the vice captain loophole is huge. Going to be vital going to be right. You could be talking about 30, 40 points, whereas in the past it felt like it was often only 10 to 15 is what you were really And you were locked away so it didn't hurt as much. Yeah, yeah, so I think for me when I hear, and as Rids is spot on, there's so much forward value and there's so yeah. much forward high firepower at the top end that people feel really confident in. You, you could see teams with one primo and one rookie DPP Board in the midfield just purely to Very fit them possible. all in. Very and as possible. I said, off the back of that, it does give you a bit of flexibility to be having not only a loophole VCC, but also a fly at these cows yeah. and seeing if you can snag a Nick Martin score from last year or a Josh Rochelle score from last year. And yeah, it's true. We know. But MJ, it, you know it's going to challenge some of the thought processes for AF out there. Oh, oh the red dot last year, Braden Proust was the perfect red dot strategy guy that it, it gave you the loophole of Hayes it gave you the loophole of McRae's 120 plus score of round one so the red dot strategy dream teamers and super coaches have known about its value for years fantasy coaches are only getting it equally super coaches and dream teamers are only starting to realize man I could be so much more aggressive in my trading with the volume of trades so people that have played all formats and done well over the past two to three years independently if they can bring these strategy learnings together, they will accelerate ahead of everybody else. Agreed. Oh, I think that's spot on. I think that's what's so fascinating this time of year is as the cows start going up, MJ. Mm. And that's what I've always found. I've always had a hard time putting a team together this time of year. I like to just have it in terms of these are the premiums I like. Yep. Let's let the cows come in and, and then I can start the going – I can start dropping the premiums in in the order that I see fit because what I feel like happens if you put them in paper for me is you get a bit attached mm-hmm. and you get set with your structures. Mm-hmm. But again, the more cows we get, the more it tips things for mine to guns and rookies purely yep. because, you know, these cows are priced at 20, 30, 35. Yep. So it only, we're talking 20, 30, 40. Some of these cows will have 50 points upside. Yep. And you've got to spend your cash somewhere. And if you've got that many cows with this many trades now, especially yeah. in real detailed super coach with the way the pricing moves, yeah, you can start you can start being hyper aggressive with your premiums so. after round two and, and really pivoting and you can might even be able to get three hundred K off just oh, I had this high price premium. That's the breakout guy. Thank you, hundred K. Yeah. It's gonna be fascinating now, especially with the trade boost that you can do. If we get enough cows that you can have more premiums, yeah, it's huge. It's get, the the race to have a full premium side could almost be 
complete by round eight. Like that's how aggressive some people are going to be. hundred percent. And we've seen it over previous years. Taylor Walker just two seasons ago was the perfect guy. Run for three to four weeks, get off your premium and yep. get back to them. And you're away. There will be people just like that that were there last year. Well, the SSP's made it so much easier because these Correct. guys come in at, bot at often mature age yeah. or at least a couple of years out of the system, basement priced, and they've been picked for a reason. Yeah. So that's where we start getting this incredible cast gen. So I think it's a really fascinating year because it's funny how the preseason, MJ, it was mid-price, mid-price. Yeah. We know as you start slotting in these cows – you start going, well, I've got a bit more cash than I thought. I can go you, up and get happens? a lead. I can go up and get Spot an order. On. That, I can go up and get on the mid -pricer a set and forget goes up to a premium. Yeah. And I think I, it's I think it's a really fun stage of the preseason, but it's also a really tricky and can be stressful because you get this news and you make a change. You get a little bit yeah. more news and you get a change. And we're about to get nine games with recorded stats. Yeah. We might even be able to see some of the players – numbers on the broadcast which will help us actually determine who's playing well so might not get motion get sickness really... watching the game yeah yeah so it, it goes up a level this week we'll start getting we know the week after that we'll start getting reports of hey mum and dad i'm in the team yeah hey book your flights and and unfortunately and this happens every year mj there's likely to be a big injury in this practice game there's likely yeah. to be something that happens. Unfortunately, yeah. That shapes things up. That's just the nature of preparing for an AFL season. It's a brutal game. Yep. We wish it wasn't part of the game, but it, unfortunately it does seem to be. So there'll be something out of this weekend that throws a spanner in the works, good or bad, for our fantasy teams. It's just the way it is as you start getting to this real pointy end of the year. Yeah. I do want to um, jump in before Please. we – I know this is a monster episode, but – No, it's helping people. That's fine, mate. The thing I want to jump in and just really emphasize a point to people, okay, as someone who's actually been lucky enough to have won a format, you know, yeah. um, who has done okay, your starting squad doesn't have to be the be-all and end-all. That's right. I can tell you now, my starting squad, when I was lucky enough to have done okay in DT in 2020, it was putrid. <laughs> I know winners of formats will tell you how bad some of the mistakes were. In Yet, the starting squad. This is the time of year everyone becomes an expert and everyone scrutinizes the next starting squad, rate yeah. my team, yeah, rate my that. team. You know, and everyone tells you, no, that's a rubbish selection. No, this is who would have thought Jack Sinclair would have been like Correct. the beast he was last year as the defender? He was yeah. the second highest defender. Who would have thought Sam Doherty would have averaged 110 Angus Brayshaw after having became his a preseason? Yeah, you know, Jared Wicks would play twenty-two games off an ACL, and for most of the season, be one of the best players in Supercoach. So yeah. don't stress. You know what? If Tom Mitchell lets you down after round one, round two, so and it. you started with him, so be it. Trade, time. fix it, and move on. Don't yeah, look around. That's the that's the success point of these formats. Yeah, is if you make game. a mistake, trade. Yeah. If you're That's not good. comfortable with something, trade. But don't go stressing about it before round one. Because I can tell you now, the winner's starting squad from this year in all the formats is going to have a putrid and they're going to make multiple mistakes in their starting squad. So just chill out and enjoy it. Yeah, that's some good advice, good you boys. To end on. 
have yeah. been absolutely sensational for our listeners on this episode. Kane, thank you for your fine work as always, mate. Pleasure, mate. Thanks, Riz. Good to chat. Well done, Ritz. So, MJ, I promised a couple of people, oh, here we Rodeo, go. that I would ask you a question. Go. All right. This will be good. Why was Tom Stewart in the top 10 of your hottest, most relevant 50? This is coming from Matt Davis. Okay, He Matt. sees Tom Stewart as regressing. Okay. That's fine, Matt. There is also inbuilt potential value with Tom Stewart, given there is some injury-affected games through there. He is a guy that could get onto the hottest of hot stretch and starts, and over a six, eight, ten-week period, he can take a season away from you. If you want to go look through the stats we shared in the 50 most relevant, there is a six, eight-week stretch where he's pumping out 120s, 130s, 140s, 150s in Dream Team, and 160s and 170s in Supercoach. So his ceiling and consistency of ceiling, whew, he's incredible. The other factor that was really important through there is in Dream Team and Supercoach, that round 13 buy where he becomes an imp potentially important anchor to give you a premium back that can be vice-captaincy loopholed in round 12, 14, and 15. Go and check the fixture. It's a nice fixture for the Cats through there, their opponents. He could pop you some 150s, and in a week where you've only got 18 scoring guys, he could be huge. Kane, you want to jump in on this? Oh, I just think, you know, if you can average 106 and 121 across the formats for, you know, half of the season. And you're yeah, priced you've, not you've, at that. Yeah. And, and you've had some injuries and you've missed some time for suspension and you're playing one of the best teams in the comp that's there about every year. And you've got um, some nice... proven it and you've got some in-bank value. Those are just factors personally yep. that jump out to me and think, wow, this is a guy that, could be D1. And I know people say, but he always misses some games. But they've said okay. that about people for years. Brad Crouch always used to be injury prone and things like that. So well, MJ, you're injury prone until you're not. That's yeah, the best correct. thing about this game is we try to use past numbers. But for me, if especially if people, as Rid said earlier about Tom Mitchell, if people are starting to get scared of Tom Stewart and go away from him. I want him to you're telling more me there's even. That. Yeah, now you're telling me there's even more reward if he just does what he does? Yeah. Uh, and the upside of with the amount of trades we have now in the limited trades is the risk is even less because it's like, oh, he's not going to get named. Oh, he's laid out. Where Geelong's fixture is over the first dozen rounds, always in the early portion. Well, so if you look at last year, he, he, was, he was sick. He, yep. I think he had a bit of gastro in round four. Sick. And uh, then concussed. he had the sick... And, well, no, no, um, yeah, he had a concussion reported. against the dogs. And, and he got he reported and was useless in another game. Yeah. So, so MJ, I, I, that's it. I got one more question. Oh, okay. God. Sorry to jump in. I have to You're stop not the host you guys. Anymore, MJ. No, I've lost control of my own podcast. Oh, come has on, actually asked you to sell Tom Stewart, and I think you've done that beautifully. Okay. Happy to help you, Matt. There's but one again, question from Peter Moore, though, you okay, need Peter. to answer. Now, yes, this is Peter. not 50 most relevant. How do you control Rids when he gets a wind up? And you comes don't. in off the long up. Run. You don't. You just you can see it coming and you just get out of the way. So you can feel it coming along and it's a steamroller and it normally Helpless. starts with a 
Now, MJ, and when you hear that, you just back off the mic and, and let it go and you wait for the tsunami to pass and then whatever is left, you just clean up from within that. But the reason I don't need to give Reed's uh, get out of the way is he kind of knows what he's talking about. You push the bear on a couple of things uh, and you know how he's going to respond. And then the second would be, for the most part, it's just good information that helps a lot of people. So I don't ever try to control you, mate. And on that note, I think we could wrap it up, MJ. Oh, back to you, MJ. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you. If you have loved this podcast episode or anything else you've got from us in the preseason, you can go and uh, check out these podcasts wherever you're streaming or have downloaded this from. There's articles dropping every day for you at coachespanel.tv. There's some Keeper League content that's about to land as well as a bunch of regular classic stuff that's going to help you through. If you've loved what you've got from us this year, you can always join our Patreon. Patreon supporter group. There is a bunch of and heaps of content there. Uh, after the community series of matches next week, our cash cow guide podcast and articles drops for Patreons only. So for just a couple of bucks a month, you can get access to that as well as a bunch of other hidden content that is only available to our Patreons. Thank you friends for listening to this episode. We hope you've enjoyed it and we can't wait to chat to you again soon in the preseason.